that's beautiful. It's so smart. I mean, and it's just so aligned with being really clear on who you are and being focused on the task at hand. So I might borrow that. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if you could see my desk, it's post-it notes everywhere, random ideas. And, you know, I'm an input person on StrengthsFinder. So everything's coming in <clears throat> and I have to manage that. So... Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayada Zaidi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Lisa Jury was a female Silicon Valley tech executive for 25 years with zero engineering background. She led high-functioning teams known for awesome global impacting results and faster decision-making. But that is not the whole picture. Lisa could also tell you how she is the CEO and co-founder of RLD Group, she could also mention how she has helped over 25,000 employees grow their careers, make a greater impact at work and build a more meaningful connection between work and home. That part, building a healthier, more meaningful connection between work and home and making an impact through strategy, clarity and heart, that's what gets her fired up. Tech's expertise will only take you so far when it comes to building a great business or being a better people leader. Lisa's superpower is creating this type of alignment and momentum for leaders in tech. So today I'm here with Lisa Jury and before I say anything else, I just want to acknowledge you for something, right? So all of the emails that have gone out to my guests for this podcast have come from something that you inspired me to do when I was a guest on your podcast. And the onboarding experience that I had was just really, really incredible in that you signed up, you kind of got the information for where you can book your slot but it was all of the other stuff in terms of how you show up. It was the pieces of, um, we're going to do the video. We're going to do the audio. This is what it's going to look like. Make sure you've done X, Y, and Z. And um, in terms of preparation, these are kind of like the areas that we might be discussing. This is the objective of the podcast. And I can tell you that there were a lot of different places that I went to, to do my homework for how I'm going to set this thing up. But I recall that process that you set up, Lisa, and it was just fire. It was just so easy to follow. So for me, in doing those kind of like back-end logistics for all of my guests, you were my role model, and I want to really oh. acknowledge you for that. 
I am so excited to hear that. And I have to, we're going to pay it forward because, right, there's no original idea. We are all part of what we learn from others. And so I learned, I learned my, my process that you enjoyed so much. I actually learned from two other podcasters, uh, Karen Worstel and Michelle Walsh. And both of them, I, I took bits, bits and pieces that worked and felt right. And then to make it my own and to know that these women impacted me, which are now impacting you. I just want to make sure they get the credit too, because yeah, we're all better together, right? The collective wisdom when we just lean into it, it's just fabulous. And I'm, I loved your, by the way, I loved your process. It was amazing. And it was so you, right? Like you. you made it your own too. Mm-hmm. And and isn't that the really important thing that, that we see something that's great and then we put our own flavor on it. Yeah. And that's very much what I love about the work that you're doing because you've been, you know, on, on your website, it says that you were a, a kick-ass female Silicon Valley tech executive for 25 years with zero engineering background. Like if that's not kind of like making you think that you want to know more, I don't know what <laughs> it is. And and then you went from there and you're now doing some really phenomenal work and you've also got your own podcast called Control All Delete. And and the question that's really coming to me is, is what triggered the change? Why did you move from Silicon Valley into doing some of the other stuff that you're doing now? Mm. I love when someone says I'm kick-ass. I know it's written, but, you know, and it was just it like to own that, right? Because I'm going to say kick-ass. Yeah. I, we, amazing, amazing, amazing work, impactful work inside corporate for sure. Mm. Um, And I got to a point, honestly, I think it has to do with legacy. So I'll just, if I'll just free flow and answer your question. So my mom um, was terminally ill and my burnout story, hence control, alt, delete, but rebooting Um, while she was, and terminally ill, but like long-term terminally ill. She had uh, lung problems. And so her quality of life was diminishing. And she would be in the hospital quite often, five days, 10 days at a time in ICU intubated. So it was not good, right? And at the same time, I had a young daughter. I mean, my I think I gave birth. My, my daughter was four when my mom passed away. So you can imagine wow. a new mom, me, mom getting ready to transition to whatever's next, my mom, kick-ass Silicon Valley executive, right? Getting great things done at work, um, completely burning out, right? Not prioritizing myself at all, driving two hours, one way to be with my mom, you know, to advocate for her at the hospital, turn around, be home for dinner with my daughter, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And when we realized that my mom's time was very limited, I I just had this knowing um, in my heart and, you know, which to me is connected to my soul that, I'm about to be standing on her shoulders, right? The legacy that my mom is is passing on. And at the same time, a dear mentor of mine had passed away. So these two women, these two very influential women in my life, their lives were ending. And it just caused me to really pause and think, you know, it's awesome that you're doing this inside an organization and you're helping a lot of people. But what would, imagine, imagine what it would be like if you were to really answer your calling and not be afraid and step into the unknown, which is running your own consulting and coaching business, right? Your own boutique firm and work with all of the leaders in tech, not just one company. And so Mm -hmm. I think it was a culmination of just, just 
divine timing and reflection on what matters most right now. And that's, that's how I chose to take that leap. And man, am I glad I did. And I feel them with me every day. I can, I can tell you when I can feel their energy and it shows up in the most beautiful ways. And I feel supported by both of them as they're looking down my mentor and my mom. Mm, wow. Gosh, I didn't expect that that was going to be the depth of, of the answer. You know, when, when yeah. people often kind of speak about their, their stories about why they transitioned into a new role, there's always something really profound. But I think what, what you shared here is, is in some ways kind of like a collision of a number of different things, all yeah. pointing you to that same direction and saying, Lisa, you've got to pay attention here and do something different because this is not serving you. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm listening to you reflect back, I think there was another point for me, which was my daughter, right? She's growing up and we had a very long um, battle with infertility. And so to have her at 43 um, and to recognize that the way I was living my life um, was not really how I wanted to be as a mother, right? And a role model and the legacy I want to, you know, inspire and impart on my daughter. So that was definitely there too. And I didn't say that earlier because I was focusing on um, taking the time off to be present with my mom. But honestly, I believe it was also the pathway to be present with my daughter, who is part of our business and has been on LinkedIn. And, you know, she loves control, alt, delete. And we talk about the choices that we make and, you know, how do we want to feel today as well as what matters most. And I think um, I am forever grateful that I am gifted with the gifts that I bring to the world and that I can do work like this in a way that not only is life-giving to myself and our clients, but to my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, lo I love the way that you've expressed this piece on impact and the the kind of legacy that gets created. So, you know, you wanted to to look back in some ways and, and be um, a legacy for your mom, but you also want to create that legacy for your daughter. And I think um, this piece on role modeling is really important, especially for mums. Um, one area of resistance that I still get from some people, and um, it doesn't actually matter what their um, demographic background is, but it's always kind of like, well, can you be a mum and work? Can you be a wife and work? And I'm like, I, I mean, seriously, are you really going to ask me that question? Right. Yeah. Right. I have the term working mother. I'm like, do you ever hear working father? No. Like what? You know what? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yes. And, and I think what it does is it motivates me to lean in even more into this role of of kind of having multi dimensions to my life where I work and I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm various other different things as well, because I have a son and a daughter and I'm role modeling to them both. And actually yes, as is my husband, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So my daughter sees somebody who actually is happy working and is able to do all of these other things and my son sees someone who is, and don't get me wrong, like if your aspiration in life 
is to be a stay-at-home mom. And I did that for a few years. But if your aspiration is to be a stay-at-home mom and to, you know, be a good wife and all of these other things, that's all perfectly fine. Like, I, I, I am not going to tell anyone what they should do in their life, right? That's not my place. Well, all, all I want to encourage is that people are deliberate about how they choose to live their life, right? Yes, yeah. And so the piece about that is that you're role modeling for your, well, I'm role modeling for my daughter about what are the opportunities available to her. But also I'm role modeling to my son about what women are capable of doing. And it's very sad that we are in the 21st century and we still need to do this, but we really, really do, right? Absolutely. No, first of all, if you're a stay-at-home mom, my deepest admiration 100% anybody deliberately choosing that and I say that um, having been home for a while myself I we all have gifts right and if 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 I had those gifts I would do that too Um, because raising this next generation is is hardest job ever so important for the world right now more than ever I, I, I could tear up about it and so what I chose to do is to be deliberate with to be deliberate with my gifts and to establish this business because that plays to my skill set. But you guess what? My husband, he runs this house. My husband meal plans and does laundry <laughs> and is right now helping my daughter with summer homework. Do you know? So in my household, we're kind of doing it upside down and inside out and we that's intentional and it's difficult and it's breaking down um even our own biases and stories that we've grown up with too. So um, shout out to the stay at home moms in ways that I, I can't even, I, because I haven't been in your shoes. I can't say anything except mad respect and deep gratitude for what you do so that we have a blend. And when we are in this world today um, and watching, I mean, one of my passion projects that I work on is a program called be her ally. And I wish we didn't have to have it either. But Be Her Ally is a, for women who have taken a break, whether it's to raise children or perhaps help um, with family for other reasons like elder parents, et cetera. And they want to go back into work in tech, but they feel left behind. Mm. And they need allies and sponsors to support them to close that gap. And so Be Her Ally is about changing the conversation about what it means to run a household. Mm. And to make it okay and, and to make it a conversation that's welcome. So you're role modeling that too, right? And so for the women that do want to work and are already feeling behind their, this program that is sponsored with this an organization called Women Back to Work, which I have deep respect for, they're working to stop the outpour of women leaving because you can't do both in the current situation, mm-hmm. right? And so, I, I, yeah, I'm... Oh, I can't wait for the day when you don't have the term working mom and everybody is doing work that is aligned with their purpose, whether it's working at home or working in a business or owning a business um, so that we can flourish as a society. It, it's so important. Mm, absolutely. And I echo everything that you said, because I remember actually when, when I was on maternity leave with my daughter and um when I went back to work and I, my, a couple of weeks afterwards, my mom said to me, Oh, I'm just glad you're, you're you again. And I was asking her, what do you mean? And she right. said, 
And and the thing is, for me, I mean, I love the time that I was at home with my daughter, but I just knew that it was not the the kind of what I wanted to do. Now, the, the challenge that I face now is I look back at that time and I wish, gosh, I wish I'd enjoyed it more. I wish I'd taken more time off, all of those other things. Because as your kids get older, they feel as it, it feels as if they're kind of slipping through your fingers and they're going to yes. be out the door tomorrow. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And you know, what was so interesting for me, which I don't know if I've ever said out loud in an interview, but, you know, as a leadership expert, helping people be high performing teams, but I never thought about what it would be like to be a new mom, mm. right? That's an entirely new role, right? It's one thing to be pregnant and working and be like, oh, I don't feel good or I'm tired or I hope the baby's okay. And, you know, am I, am I doing what I can, but it's still my body. So I'm like, oh, I like how this tastes and I know I can make the doctor appointment. Here comes this human with no operating manual. Good golly. I mean, good golly. My, my grandmother's with us right now. Good golly. What in the heck? Talk about feeling new, right? So whether you're new in a job or new to motherhood, there's a lot of newness and you start to feel like, but I used to be really great at what I do. How come I don't know what the hell I'm doing? And mm. am I, did I do that? Like the, the, the self-doubt that shows up when you're new. Whew. So yeah, I was like, oh, give me my work back. I know what I'm doing. You know, mm. I had that too, for sure. Mm. Yeah. That was that I have to say that was a tough time. There was one thing that I wish I could have again from then, which is not changing nappies or anything else. But I went to I, I went to sleep at it must have been like five to midnight. This is how I'm gonna describe it. And I woke up at midnight and I felt like I'd had a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. I remember, well, 15 minutes is rejuvenating, right? Five minutes. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. My husband still recalls those days. I remember him. He went, we didn't know what we were doing. And he went to the hardware store and, you know, he's got the bags under his eyes. And the woman says, are you okay? And he goes, this is my engineer husband. No. Who, what is up with nursing and the sleeping? And then the 15 minutes later, you started all, this is torture. How does anyone survive, right? And I said, honey, preach that to the mountaintop at work. Let everybody know how hard this is because nobody talks about it. And that clerk at Home Depot or low, I don't even remember, some <laughs> store like that was like, I can see it. you're not okay. I mean, he was a zombie. And then I'm thinking, they don't even like stay home long. The men typically go back sooner than the women and they're exhausted too. Like, yeah. Yeah, yes. This is not an advert for people having children. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not forever, but it's, you know, sleep like a baby. I'm like, yeah. Although I have to say that, like, you know, I've I, I've been very blessed in my career and I've done some really, really amazing things and I continue hopefully to do some um, quite impactful things. But, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life and, and I'm serious, like it puts everything else out the door is that moment when I became a mum and the learning that I've done through the relationship that I've had with my kids and then also the interactions with my husband as a result of all of that. That piece of growth for me as a human being, it's love-hate, but I tell you, it's just been so good because those you really have to lean into becoming a better person and and kind of wanting to continue that journey and you're not one and done right oh my gosh it is it's 
evolving. Yeah. My sister is child. Um, she's living a child-free life. And so my daughter is the only child grandchild in our family. Mm-hmm. And she'll call me sometimes, you know, she's like, I'm the auntie. I can come and go, which I sometimes I'm like, auntie is a good job, right? That's yeah. a great role. And she'll call me and go, this is so triggering. All I'm thinking about is the time, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> hang on to your horses because it's a full on triggering, disruptive growth spurt, like nothing else. And I mean, even I got a dog after I had a child and even having a puppy. Oh my gosh, the growth in the worrying about this dog and dogs don't speak English like to my language. I'm like, I have no idea what you need right now. And Oh my gosh, the the worry and the care and the be outside of yourself, like your heart living in other mm. beings. Um, so whether you're a parent to a fur baby, whether you're living child free, or whether you're on the journey that you know I'm experiencing myself, yeah, the growth, the growth, Saida, is it's and it's totally love hate. I'm not even gonna lie, right? <laughs> There's days, man, that looks easier on the other side. But I wouldn't, I would not change it for the world. It's the best. Um, by far I've grown more as when, since becoming a parent than I did before that for sure. Mm, mm. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm so glad you said that because the minute the words love, hate came out of my mouth, I was like, man, is oh, that, yeah, no. preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's inconvenient when, you know, I have a therapist and I'll be like, man, her feelings are inconvenient right now. And she's like, I know. Right. We just laugh because, you know, mm. you don't get to time what your kids needs are. They just show up. Mm-hmm. And so that's my phrase, like, man, this is inconvenient. We just giggle, you know, that I can like own that in a way that's loving and, but yet honest. Right. So the love mm-hmm. hate, um, I think the hate for me is the inconvenience or the discomfort mm-hmm. and the love is the growth. And then really learning about myself more than I ever did to, because I'm creating a space where she can show up as she wants to, who she authentically is, which is not something that I learned as a child. So I'm learning it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. And I think the thing is, is that that certainly what I found in my work is when I get to know myself better, actually, mm-hmm. I can help my clients get to know themselves better and go to places that are actually really, really difficult. But because I, I've either had to hold the space for me or had someone else hold it for me, it makes it easier to then observe and do the same for someone else. Don't you think? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I think, um, we are, are, uh, you had me speechless with this point. So what was showing, I'm just going to listen to my heart because that's my new mantra in order to hold space for somebody else, having experienced that being done for yourself first is amazing. And then the second part of it is, um, how much we grow each time as practitioners Mm. when they trust us enough to hold space for us to hold space for them. Um, and, you know, the world of work, the world of leadership, um, and, you know, my world is tech. There's not a lot of conversation about the human side, right? It's code and it's tape outs and it's product releases and, you know, competition with the market. And what's really happening is there are humans inside, you know, making these decisions and they need that safe space to have self-doubt, to wonder or worry, to feel stress and to think, oh my gosh, I'm burning out. What do I do? Or, oh, I really made a crappy decision. How do I clean that up? Right. And so it's a gift and an honor to be in a, in a, in an environment and to have a client base that trusts me as I know I do with you, 
um, to, to hold that space and to withhold judgment and to bring, you know, I'll say to bring love forward, compassion, empathy, humanity into that container. It's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think business is starting to realize that now, right? Because when it's, well, let me, let me pause for a second. I think some of the fallout that we're facing in the corporate world is as a result of there not being sufficient empathy and compassion. And so when organizations in the past, and we've, we've seen many of them, when organizations in the past have kind of like done their 80 hour weeks and things like this, and people, I mean, very like, it's devastating even to say the words out loud, but, but people have committed suicide um, as, as a, as a result of it, you just kind of think, well, something's not quite right. And yet we're still having this conversation about bringing in more empathy and care and, and mental health and things like this. And I just think there's a disconnect somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, can I just, if I was to write a thesis today, you know, this is what I would say, promoting someone into a people management role that is not equipped to lead people makes them a liability to your organization, right? Mm. I think that a lot of the decisions that are made are technical, in my world, technical experts that are admired and get great results because of their technical knowledge. Well, the career ladder, the next thing is go be the team lead, then go be the first line manager. And, oh, you're so smart. Go be, you know, go all the way up to senior vice president. You know, a lot of CEOs in tech you know, go rise to the engineering ranks, right? And listen, they're brilliant. These people are amazing. Look at what's happening in the world today. And Mm -hmm. channeling it for good is amazing. The piece that I see missing is the people skills, the business skills, like really understanding what it means to integrate your head and your heart as a leader of people and to take a look and to advocate for flexible work schedules, to give people time off, you know, if they have a miscarriage, trigger warning. Do you know what I mean? Like not just when you have the baby, but when you have loss um, to understand that reductions to, to manage budget through layoffs many times sets everybody up to fail. Right. So mm-hmm. go get, go get creative and innovative, but you're in this always on never good enough. Where would place you tomorrow? I have to have all my stuff together. Can't make a mistake or, you know, I'm going to be the next on the list. And you have this fight flight or freeze experience that, is not life-giving, does not allow for innovation or flourishing. And honestly, it puts your company at risk. We know mm-hmm. what the lost productivity costs are. I think it's $1 trillion in lost productivity from burnout a year. Okay. So like, I'll, I'm soapboxing it a bit. Here's what I will I'll circle back and put a, a bow on it. There's such an opportunity now to really develop the sides of these leaders that just, are, just as we were talking about becoming moms and being new right? If you take that same lens to these amazing engineering technical leaders and give them the insight, the tools, and the space to be human at work, imagine what's possible. I just, it's, um, it's why I'm here. It's why I exist. Mm. That's my mission. Yeah. I love it. And, and, you know, the other side of that is really interesting because I think, um, I'm going to say young people, it makes me sound so old, but (laughs) people that are just entering the workplace, let's put it like that. um, Some of them are now rejecting really, really incredible salaries. So there was an article that I read recently that spoke about um, an organization offering salaries of 100,000 and it can't recruit 
because you're basic they're basically buying 80 hours a week of your life to work and yep. these young new recruits are saying actually do you know what I don't want that I would rather have less money and a job where I can have a life and I think that's a really good shift for the future of employment because companies are going to be forced to change I totally agree I think yay I celebrate you. I see you. Right. And here's the thing. If you're gonna, I, I, this is something I said the other day, like, let's be really clear. Here's your salary. You're going to get unlimited time off, but we're not, I don't want you to use it. Right. If you got a problem, leave it at home and you know, we're going to feed you. We're going to dry clean your clothes. We're going to give you this recharge day, but we're going to email you anyway. Like the incongruent, um, the, the, the disconnect, you know, let's just be really clear on what you're getting for that pay. So you said it so beautifully. We're going to be 100K for 80 hours of your life. That is like, at least be transparent. Then someone says, okay, I'll give up a year for that. Sure. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to go take a gap year, like whatever, but own it and don't fool yourself. Like take a look in the mirror to look at and really assess these programs you have in place, what the utilization is. And, you know, go look at the mental health of your, your entire organization, not just your leadership team. You'd be surprised, right? Yeah. And and this description that you have of owning it, I think, is really important because there is also a piece about us owning our own journeys and and going back to what you were saying at the beginning about why you transitioned into the work that you're currently doing. I think what happened was you kind of decided you're going to own your destiny to use such a, a, a big word, but it's true, you know. Yeah, it is true. So what advice do you have for people who are in that place of like, they know that there's something that they want to do, but they feel stuck and they don't know how to move to that place where they can own it? Mm. Well, you know, my route required burnout and a medical leave. So, <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> that's the truth. So I'm not going to, you know, paint this beautiful picture I guess the hero's journey has that conflict, right? So um, I think my advice, what I've learned is to allow yourself to be still, to give yourself the white space, to go out in nature, to sit outside and just remember what lights you up, what energizes you and what's draining you. And if you start there and you pay attention to that, you know, those are kind of little hints that will come along the way, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, I, honestly, there's a, there's the practical how much money do you have in the bank? What, what, how are you spending it? Right. How much is in reserves? And then what is your own um, risk tolerance to figure out what this change would do? So there's the, I guess there's the white space and the, the whispers that come when you're still and you're paying attention. And then there's the practical. Um, and then I think one thing that I learned was go find sponsorship, mentorship, go learn, learn, learn from others. So I joined groups and I met people like you in organizations and <clears throat> um, I kind of remember, excuse me, I remember somebody saying it's who, not how. And when I first started figuring this out, it was always about the how, because I thought I had to solve it all. And then I realized, who do I know that can help me get there faster? Who do I know that will give it to me straight? Because de definitely <clears throat> tickle. I think it was Benjamin Hardy who says who, not how. Is that who said it? And yeah, I, think, I mean. Yeah, he's got a book written about it, which um, I have somewhere in my multiple <laughs> books that surround me that you can't see. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But that's, 
to, to know that is phenomenal. And so I went, I found some people that were doing what I thought I wanted to do. And I took them to lunch and I asked them, what keeps you up at night? What do you wish you had known sooner? What's the best decision you made? Like, I just got really curious. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think if you're feeling a calling and you'd feel stuck, you know, paying attention to what lights you up and what drains you really getting clear on your money situation. So that's not a reason. And then, you know, figuring out the who, not how part of it to just go ask, but get really curious is a great kind of triangle of first steps. Mm, I love those. And yeah. what would you the, add? Uh, what would I add? I think I wouldn't add anything other than just really emphasizing that point about the the money and getting your finances in order. Because when people um, ask me about, you know, what was it like when I left my role? Because essentially what we had done is is my husband was in a, a decent job and I was in a decent job. And I've always been very career driven and motivated in that way. And uh, he had the opportunity to retrain as a teacher. So he did that and then got a job in a small school with a very small salary and at the same time, I was kind of progressing in my career. So I'd become this director with an outrageous salary. And then waking up one day and saying, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember coming back to my husband and just saying, look, I, like there's so many different reasons. And his response was, well, you know, we'll make it work. The reason for us being able to have that conversation was because whilst we were both on the good salaries, we'd planted seeds and did some really interesting stuff like, um, you know, sorting ourselves out financially so that we could then make crazy decisions like that. And so literally we went from living on six figures to below the poverty line because I made a decision and my husband supported me. Yeah, yeah. You feel as if you're not selling your soul to the devil, though. That is the important point for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I had known you back then because my journey, I think just to, if I can share it for the listeners to see mm -hmm. another way too, um, Silicon Valley salary, Silicon Valley lifestyle. Okay. Child in private you know, school and figuring it all out and to go, uh, how are we going to do this? Right. To really figure out, wow, we have not set ourselves up, but I, I'm feeling so compelled with this situation with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually what we did is, you know, we bit the bullet. We tried to find our way. The first day I had on my own, we went to Starbucks to write our strategy for the week. Right. And my husband was like, okay, what are we doing? And I said, I have a migraine. I need to go home. And I went home and I had a migraine. I felt like throwing up and I called my mentor and he goes, great. You realize now. Right. And I was like, great. <laughs> I don't want a migraine. I want confetti. Right. Um, so what we did is we moved, we sold our Silicon Valley home that we had for 15 years put a lot in savings. We moved to Oregon and we bought a house here. So we didn't have, what I didn't want to do, Saida, was to have to work with just anybody to pay the bills. Mm. I wanted to work with leaders who want to bring their hearts to work, who want humanity conversations, who recognize that the way to make life better is to bring your whole self. Mm. And so I knew that if we stayed there, I might have to say yes to work I didn't want to do. And that we would have tension and stress, stress and intention, tension and stress. And it would be um, clouding 
mm-hmm. are clouding our decisions. So yeah, and we moved right before the pandemic hit. So I thought, well, I'll just fly back all the time. I haven't had to travel. Our business is doing great. I, we're getting, our clients are very happy and renewing and doing retainers with us now. And um, yeah, imagine if I had stayed and resented, you know, and being feeling so stuck in what I thought was this liberating move. Mm-hmm. So what really was, and honestly, it was my husband having the conversation with me about, okay, I, I believe in us and I believe in this business and I know we're called to do this. We got to get really pragmatic, really quick about money. Mm-hmm. And that was the big shift for us. So yeah. That was, and that's, well done for for making the move because I think that does require an enormous amount of courage. But you know, in some ways, like people speak about downsizing when it comes to the size of the house, right? Right. You downsized in terms of the the kind of what's it called the the cost of the house, but exactly. that gave you freedom and yes. you're able to do what you want. And I just think that's um, something for people who are listening in to really, really reflect on, because if you've ever got something that you want to do, then what are the means to you being able to do it? And sometimes it's an answer that's not the obvious one. Yeah, yeah. And if I could give them a question to ask, I love this question, how might I insert Mm -hmm. whatever, right? How might I make it under the poverty line? How Mm -hmm. might I make it and not have clients that, you know, I don't want to work with? How might I turn everything upside down and still land on my feet. You know, the, how might I opens up the creative, opens up the creativity and allows you to not feel like you have to have the answer, but you can just be curious. And I just love the, how might I question so much mm-hmm. or how might we with your partner? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's a really nice kind of like point for me just to spend a minute celebrating really amazing um, partners and, and husbands who are there holding a space because I know for me I couldn't even do one percent of the work that I do if I didn't have the support of my husband you know like every now and then I go and speak to him and I say oh I'm I'm having another crazy idea and he just says uh, you know let's sit down (laughs) (laughs) I have a look in my eye he can tell when my eyes have he'll see me do something he's like oh here she comes again You know, what's really lovely, though, is just having people hold that space for you. And often, I I mean, a couple of my crazy ideas have come to fruition. But actually, sometimes all I need is someone just to talk it through with. And then I work out it's not going to work or it's not the right time. But can you imagine the frustration that one would have if I didn't have someone that was supporting me to unpack those ideas? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And someone who gets you and is, is on the path with you. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because um, our company is called RLD group and it stands for rebooting leadership drive, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we named our company, but it's also our initials, Randy, Lisa, Dury. Right. So we were very intentional with that. And that's one thing that I always go back to This is our company. I am the CEO, right? I am the spokesperson and, you know, I make a lot of the um, day-to-day decisions. Um, you know, he helps me with finance and accounting and, you know, tech, right. And he helps me with all my setups, but what he really is, is my honest to God, my absolute board of directors partner in crime to, is this really make sense? Is this really what we want? Let's look at this and how might we, and he's been a tremendous, uh, safe space for me to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right. And scared and excited. And yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't always say yes, which I find 
absolutely beautiful, right? Because I'm used to getting a yes because I, I usually know what I want. I come across confident and, you know, and I'm, I'm a strong woman. And sometimes he's like, mm, yeah, not that's not it. Let's talk about it. I'm like, oh, right on. Yeah, so we, and we that. all need someone like that in our lives, right? Yep. Who says no to us, because yeah. yeah, I can relate to everything that you've just said. And I, and actually, I will tell you, I really value people who say no, because even in that second, it makes you think, well, hold on, what's more to unpack here? What am I exactly. not considering, and all yep. of that other stuff? And it's through that that you do most of your brainstorming and working out. Someone rocks up and says yes, yes, yes. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not asking the right person. <laughs> Right. Well, that's what I, a lot of people really struggle with working with the finance department, right? Especially, you know, the CFO or the legal team. Mm. And I say, God bless finance and legal, because guess what? Their first answer is always no. So it's going to push you. <laughs> it's going to push you. And people will be like, how do I get finance to say yes? And I'm like, well, first of all, go figure out what they care about and why they're saying no. It's mm. not how to get a yes. It's why the no start there. And then get to understand what they're what they're paid to do. Because you know what? They're paid to keep the money in the bank and they're paid to keep you out of lawsuits and they're paid to, you know, keep you on the straight and narrow, if you will, right? And so many times I feel like they're misunderstood. But to your point, you, you need you need to know to really push to be the highest and best in whatever you're asking for or dreaming of. Mm. Right. So I think it's just a great reframe on a no. Mm. And and here's another one as well, just building on what you've shared. Yeah. That sometimes when we're working with ourselves, I mean, it's it's brilliant when you're kind of having a conversation with a coach or with someone else. But there are times when you just want to sit down with a blank piece of paper and either journal or do some reflection and you're unpacking your ideas. And there is a huge encouragement to always focus in on the yes. And we're saying no to things so that we can say yes to other things. Right. What I have realize through this is that whenever I want to say yes to something there should be a parallel conversation that takes place for me to say well if the answer was no what would that mean oh my gosh say it again that's that's if the answer was no what, what would that mean yeah oh right yeah I thank you for that there's my gift in today if the answer was no, what would that mean? And I would even add, what would that make room for? Or what might be possible? You know, just to like take it to, to the, the highest in my mind, I'm like, oh, if the answer is no, what would that mean? Mm. What would be possible, right? What, where, where would that take us? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's in your next book, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Seriously. <laughs> Because it's like the thing is, I and and now I want to go off on a complete tangent, but I won't. But it's kind of like, <laughs> how, how do I think about the center for belonging and understanding and the work that I want to do there with this question in mind? Can you just imagine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's so much richness that's going to come out of that. So, oh, MG. I, yeah, yeah. Well, we need a part two then because I want to be a part of that conversation. That's fabulous. Let, let's do that. 100. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, I, 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 you go ahead. I, I, I just think that it's a really, really important, different frame. Because mm -hmm. um, particularly for this idea of belonging and understanding, everyone that I'm speaking to is like, yes, 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 of course. It's such an obvious answer. But now maybe is the time to also lean into the what if it's a no. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see like seven layers of this. What if it's a no? How might it be a no? 
Mm. Uh, if it, if no is the answer, what does that make room for? Um, what is no, what would you say hell no to even in like rules or, you know, um, bylaws or whatnot all right. Like where, where is, where is there a place for no? Mm. Like I could just see like seven different layers of that, you know? Yeah. I just said, you know, ha, yeah. I am. I crack myself up, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. So, I've I I feel as if I've shared a little bit too much in this conversation about what inspires me. I would love to know what inspires you, Lisa. Oh my gosh, Saida, what inspires me? <sighs> Learning, um, reflection, apologies. Um, courage, vulnerability, authenticity, um, laughter, uh, community. There's so much that inspires me. I mean, I look out my window and I see birds and birds inspire me. I love birds. I watch them in their little groups and what they do and how they're always aware, but still singing songs in the morning. I'll take the dog out in the morning and hear the birds. And I think, oh, that inspires me that you start your day singing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I say bravery in the sense of really about looking at yourself, like people that will really look inward and then evolve and figure, figure it out, like being scared and doing it anyway, when it's for the right reason, that inspires me. Um, people in tech inspire me. They're doing what they're doing to make the world a better place and focusing on, you know, climate change and, uh, you know, electric cars. And I, I, I just mind blowing to me that when you put those brilliant skills to work towards making the world a better place, um, one person, one community, you know, one city, one, one world that inspires me. Mm. Um, Heart-based entrepreneurs inspire me. Right, yeah. entrepreneurs that bring their hearts to work and share them with their clients and customers inspire me. You inspire me. I mean, and I can't. I don't want to miss that one. You are somebody who always leans in and asks the question with that smile that people go, "Oh, my God, she's going to say there something." There it goes, again. right? Yeah. Um, people that are willing to call themselves kick-ass inspire me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? Well, you know, like own your own language, right? You know, people that say dude and people that say dude at work inspire me because I say dude and mm. I tried to get rid of it and I, it wasn't me. And I had someone um, who said to me, you better keep it. It's who you are. Like when you're excited, dude, when something sucks, dude, right? <laughs> when it mic dropped by Saida, dude, you know, so... People that um, show up as themselves inspire me, even when they're not accepted. That's even more inspiring. Um, mm -hmm. Parents with special needs children inspire me. Single parents inspire me. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, my daughter inspires me. My husband inspires me. That's a pretty yeah. extensive list. I mean, yeah, I'm inspired a lot. I look around a lot and I look for, I look for inspiration every day. So if, if that's a really interesting point, because if you are inspired a lot, how do you then pick where you're going to channel your energy and the projects that you work on? Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, I don't have a pretty answer. It's flipping <laughs> hard. 
Um, and yeah, my uh, I've done every profile under the sun from Colby to StrengthsFinder to Myers-Briggs. I've had my human design done. Um, what I am is a conduit of other people's ideas, right? So I am a, I bring things together. So I, I connect people, ideas, and resources. And that's, you know, what comes through for me. So um, there's a very practical answer to that. And then a very, I would say, spiritual answer to that. And um, the question I ask myself, which I learned from Daniel Friedland, um, who you know, uh, is what matters most right now? Mm. And so that has been a game-changing question for me as far as where to put my time and my energy. I don't want to take the inspiration away, but similar to what you were talking about earlier about what if it's a no? Um, one other question I learned from Daniel Laporte is no makes way, no makes way for yes. Right. And so, or a thought I should say, so what matters most now and no makes way for yes would be two kind of lenses that help me um, channel. Right. But I, I have tremendous capacity and I can work crazy hours and be inspired all day. And then that's all great, but you know, how are you going to pay the bills versus let's mm -hmm. be really smart about where you spend your time and then have your ideal day in mind and keep that, keep that front and center. But it's not easy for me. I'm inspired by a lot. Mm -hmm. I think what I do in and actually particularly when I was writing the book um, results the art and science of getting it done last year the biggest headache that I had is the inspiration that was then coming whilst I was writing oh right right <laughs> and oh! so what I had to do was <laughs> I had to have a parallel word document open so that I could put all of that stuff in because in the first few days of writing, so I'd done all my research, but in the first few days of writing and my target was 2000 words a day, I'd have an idea, I'd get distracted, I'd go off on a tangent and I'd come back and I'd be like, I haven't done anything. Oh. So the minute I kind of like opened up that other document and started to basically kind of dump or place my other thoughts and inspiration and ideas into there, it just then enabled me to really then kind of focus on the task that was at hand. Because I know because of the kind of person that I am, if I don't do that and those things are still kind of like, you know, have space in my mind or even within me energetically, they're going to come back and they're going to get louder and louder and make more noise and they'll derail me. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so smart. I mean, and it's just so aligned with being really clear on who you are and being focused on the task at hand. So I might borrow that. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if you could see my desk, it's post-it notes everywhere, random ideas. And, you know, I'm an input person on StrengthsFinder. So everything's coming in <clears throat> and I have to manage that. So it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, it works. And and I say all of that, but then if you were to see my desk, you would be like, oh, my Lord. But that's only because at the moment I'm in the middle of writing a million things and and blah. So there is a balance to be had. Like, I think um, what's coming to me is wanting to say that organization within chaos or chaos within organization, that's the place to be so that you have a little bit of both. Yeah. And maybe they're kind of like wheels of a bike, you know, you need both. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I know that that inspires me. I can tell you that it energizes me too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when you have a project that you want to work on, how do you make sure that you get it done? When I have a project that I want to work on, how do I make sure that I get it done? 
<clears throat> I block time on my calendar. I advise my team that I'm, this is important. I solicit, you know, going back to the who, not how, go look for, you know, just because I want to make a workbook for this training next week, I'm not the right person to make the workbook. I will iterate that thing 12 times, you know, and, the, you know, someone can make it great one time. So um, play to my strengths and honestly, I listen to music. Music really helps energize me. Mm, that's a pretty good list. What's your favorite song? Oh, right now? Gosh, I have a song of the day. <clears throat> oh my gosh, Saida, how do I answer that question? Okay, my go-to always is Shaka Khan, I Feel For You. Um, <laughs> it's good. It just makes me happy. Like I, I don't even really know what the words mean. I'll be very honest with you. That beat and that time in my life, because mm -hmm. music transports me too, right? It'll take me places. That song, anytime, any day. Mm. Any day. I just, yeah. And then there's a song when I really want to be contemplative. Is that, am I saying that right? Cont con yeah, I want to contemplate or reflect. Um, there's a song by India Ari called I Am Light. And that grounds me every time. So if I'm really vibrating too high and I want to like get centered, that song I go to. And then I be able to use that feeling and that energy for whatever I'm doing. Mm, that's really good. And, and and I have to say, I don't know the answer to that question for myself. If you're going to ask me, no, don't ask me. We're going to move on. <laughs> you can put it in the show notes. <laughs> Do you know, if I put it in the show notes, I'd change it every two or three days. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So. yeah. Yeah. I actually have a playlist on my podcast so I can get songs from other people because I ask each guest, right? So yeah, there you go. You're starting your playlist. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. And and. I will link to your podcast and to your playlist as well. I think that's oh, what we'll excellent. do. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Yeah, I can keep building it and you can leverage it. Absolutely. See yes. who, not how. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. What is your favorite book? Oh, my gosh. The Desire Map by Daniel Laporte. Mm. May, I, may I tell you why? Go ahead, please. When I burnt out and I took my three-month medical leave, that's the first book that found its way to me because I believe books find us. We don't find books. And it was the first time I sat down to figure out how I want to feel and the goals that I was setting, are they really aligned with the feelings that I desire? And it was a big no, right? Getting that next promotion and traveling the world while your mom is terminally ill and you have a child at home was not what I wanted, right? Even though on paper, it sounded like a really great goal. So it helped me calibrate and, you know, flip goal setting upside down. And it was a game changer for me. Mm, I'm looking forward to reading that one and I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, tell me um, what you mean a little bit more about the books find you. I found that fascinating. Oh, something people don't know about me. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I'll walk into a bookstore and I follow my energy. I have no clue why I'm there or a library, anywhere there's books, even, you know, um, uh, you know, your CVS or Walmart or not Walmart, uh, Walgreens or Rite Aid, you know, they even have like the little books by the cards. Whenever there's a book, I, I just kind of show up, see what feels good. I don't even read the cover, whatever it is. I grab it and it's my, it's meant for me. It's the most exciting adventure of my life that I never realized until right now is part of my adventure. Yeah. I love doing that. 
I'm going to try that because I, yeah. I, when you're saying it, I'm just thinking that's such a brave thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just feels exciting to me. Right. But yeah, I mean, I found, and you know, I might limit myself to like a section, like for a while in my twenties, it was always like the self-help psychology section. Right. And then in my thirties, it was much more around, um, the, you know, women's studies and motherhood and fertility, you know, or cooking to be well, like wellness. Right. Um, and in my forties, it was always like the business section. So, you know, I, sometimes I have to at least focus on the gift I'm going to get. And other times I'm just like, all right, the wonders of Egypt, I guess we're going to go check that out. You know, I'm making that one up for you, but yeah, you know, it's, um, it's a really fun way to see what is calling me. That's actually how I found the desire map. I went into the self-help area. I was like, I'm broken. What do I need to know? And that's the book that called me. That is so cool. When I when I finish this this kind of like um, intensive writing that I'm on, I know the bookstore that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to do this, and I will tell you what book I get. I can't wait. Watch you pull your own book. It'll be so funny. That is going to be so strange. Oh, that's awesome. So. Moving on a little bit, like what advice would your 16-year-old self give to you? Oh, I'm not giving it to my 16-year-old. My 16-year-old's giving it to me. That's right. My 16-year-old was very wise. I, I appreciate her so much. Okay, I'm going to talk how she would talk. Mm. So she would say, Lisa, quit fucking caring so much what other people think. <laughs> right? Because at 16... It was like, I already knew I really didn't fit in. I didn't really have like a click. I had like a couple of dear friends. My grandmother was a huge inspiration. She's like, they don't even know what they're missing. Like who don't even care, right? Go be you, which is hilarious at 53. I'm saying the same thing, but that would be her advice. And as I scale my business and, you know, work on putting our message out, being interviewed, you know, showing up as myself, um, my 16 year old is celebrating for sure. I really like how you shared that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And what are you reading, listening, watching right now? Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I just finished a book called Permission to be Human. I'll just, it's the mm -hmm. Conscious Leader's Guide to Creating a Values-Driven Culture. It's by Mary Beth Highland. I just finished that last week. Um, fabulous playbook for being human at work. What am I watching? I love the good fight and The Good Wife. So I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. It makes me happy to watch all of the intricate relationships and tensions and then how they get resolved and bring in mm -hmm. politics and um, and listening to kids bop sometimes with my daughter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Shaka Khan when I need a lift. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And actually we, um, I spoke with Mary Beth Heinland a little while ago and she was just incredible. We, we had awesome. a big connection about hugging trees as well. So. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. I was really grateful yeah. to be a part of her book launch. It's a, it's a wonderful book. Absolutely. And finally, what advice do you have for me? Oh, Saida. Um, What advice do I have for you? So knowing what I know right now with your life, where it is, is um, I wanted, I would love to give you permission to be human, right? Mm -hmm. We yeah. talk about that because you are so, your capacity and your love and your, your passion and your curiosity is 
it's so contagious. I just want to make sure that you get to fuel your, fill your cup while you're doing it um, because you're such a giver. Um, and dance. My other advice is dance. Dance when you want to. I love that. Check it Thank out. You. You know? Yeah. Thank you for asking. No, it's interesting because I put that at the end of the of the podcast and asked pretty much everyone, and there's always different kind of responses. Um, and some people may think it's kind of quite a self-indulgent question, and it kind of is, but there's learning in there for everyone in that I have no idea what you're going to say. Yeah. And the advice usually for me is actually also the advice for everybody else that's listening to. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> taking my own advice today. Okay. I need to go dance right, and fill my cup. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there is something quite um, magical about receiving advice. Cause I think for me, the biggest gift that someone who cares about me can tell me is, have you thought about this? Or um, this is a different perspective. Because you know, it's very easy to just kind of like be in your lane and be focused on something, especially when you've got clarity. But we do need reminders from other people. So what you said to me about the permission and the kind of dancing and stuff is just really, really caring. And I receive that as a gift. So thank you. I appreciate the the opportunity to do that. Like that's, you gave me a gift to be able to like put the lens around you for just a moment and honestly speak from my heart. Right. Cause that's advice for me is heartfelt. It's not, it's not from here. It's always for me comes from here. So yeah. Thank you for activating my heart. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. So I would, I would like you to be able to activate the heart of all of the people that are listening and they will need to know where they can contact you. So what is the best way for listeners to get in touch? Oh, thank you. Um, probably LinkedIn. I think everybody's on LinkedIn. So it's Lisa Dury, D-U-E-R-R-E. And it rhymes with jury. You'll see that everywhere. We, we crack up because no one knows how to pronounce Dury. Um, and you can also go to our website if you want. It's rldgroupllc.com both places. And uh, any listener of yours is a wonderful gift to us. And we, you know, we'll support them and give them any kind of love that they need along the way. And uh, I'm honored to be in community with you, Saida. It's just, it's life-giving and um, it's, it's energizing and it's beautiful. And I'm grateful to be here. Right back at you, Lisa. And thank you so much. And I, I can't wait for part two. It's uh it's going to just be another wonderful conversation. Today, I want to thank you for unpacking so many um, different perspectives of, of life, of motherhood, of working. Um, I know that the listeners will have received that as an enormous gift. So thank you so much. And thank you for just showing up as you. You know, That's what we need. We need more Lisa. Oh, you know, not more cowbell, as they say. We need more Lisa. Well, I'm here and I'm in because you know what? That 16-year-old's watching me and she's like, Let's go, girl. Right? Yeah, it's time. And uh, yeah, thank you for the space. What an honor to be on your podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.